Welcome back to the Teacher Renewed Podcast, a podcast about renewing hope and happiness for educators with topics ranging from health and well-being to best practices in and outside the classroom, being a parent and an educator, justice, and so much more. I was one of the many teachers who left the classroom due to burnout. I thought I would be a teacher for life and found myself walking away from a career I loved. I want to get in front of this and talk candidly about ways in which we as a community can support the health, well-being, and development of educators, especially teachers who are feeling the burn and are questioning if they made the right career choice. Trust me, you did. Let's get started. All right. Well, thank you for joining today's episode. I am so excited to have Christine Johnson, who is presently a teacher, also a nutrition and health coach, also a Reiki master. I want to be very frank and honest that I found her on Instagram very I don't know if it was an intentional, what I was searching for, or if she just happened to be pop up in my feed, but for everything that I was looking for in my life at that moment, she was providing on this platform and I was very inspired by her. And I reached out to have her on this podcast and I'm guessing the kind of leader you are, Christine, is a very humble one because she's like, how did you find me? And you have an amazing micro following and influence that I'm like, how did I not find you? So I am really excited to have you on the podcast today to share with those who are listening the extraordinary things that you are doing on behalf of students, but also educators and just anyone else who's looking for balance and uh, health-related inspiration. So without further ado, let's get started. I would love to just hand you the mic, Christine, and have you introduce yourself a little bit and maybe even just share a little bit of what has brought you to education and perhaps inspired you to take on this secondary, if not passion project, I don't know what you call it, of of becoming also a a nutrition and health guru. Well, thank you. Um, That was quite an introduction. There's the humility. (laughs) So um, as far as getting into education, I had actually started out um, planning to go into business. And um, it was my senior year of college that I decided to take that first class that everybody takes before teaching. And when I was put into a first grade room, that's when I realized that's actually what I really wanted to do in life. So I graduated with my bachelor's in economics and went off into the business world. And then once my children were born um, and my youngest was about six months old, that's when I went back to school to teach. And um, soon after that, started my first teaching job and that's where I've been ever since. Well, not in the same school, but been teaching ever since. Yeah, and what, what grade levels have you taught? I've taught um, third, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Wow, that runs a gamut. Okay, great. And really quickly, just I want to go back to that that moment in that first grade classroom that you were like, okay, this is my trajectory. I'm going into business. And then you're in a a first grade classroom. I might have said third, but a first grade classroom that said, no, I'm actually going to be a teacher. Can you call upon some of those memories that just really inspired you to go in this other direction? It was the looks on the kids' faces, the conversations we could have, um, being able to actually have an influence in their lives. Um, 
it was just everything, <laughs> the whole experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that's what draws so many of us in. And I, I asked that question because I think as we think about this crisis of getting more people into education, there's got to be some very tangible ways. And I think oftentimes it is putting people in the presence of our own children or the children to help inspire that. So I'm so glad you shared that. I would also just love, okay, so 20 years, that is a long time to be in education. You know, I think there's statistics out there that say, I mean, like two thirds of teachers are leaving within their first five years of teaching. So you are the one third that is obviously sustaining in this. And so talk to us a little about that journey and how you've been able to do this for 20 years. And I'm guessing part of the, the health and nutrition impaired, maybe even Reiki master has come into that. So yeah, share us, share with us the journey of these last 20 years that have really informed who you are today and where you sit today. So um, that journey definitely involved um, the segue into the health and nutrition um, because I, I agree that teachers, we burn ourselves out. Um, I definitely was one to get up in the morning after hitting snooze about six or seven times, jump in the shower, grab a cup of coffee out the door with a um, thing of peanut butter crackers or a lean cuisine. And maybe I ate something while I was at school, um, if not had a can of soda and then came home and ate everything because I hadn't eaten all day. And I think you're describing my husband uh, <laughs> who still teaches. Yeah, sounds about right. Keep going, sorry. <laughs> well, I think I described a lot of people because I know I sat there with a lot of people cramming things down while waiting for the copy machine. Mm -hmm. um, and it wears on you. And I guess I didn't realize how much of an impact it had on me until I had met my now husband um, and things were good. And I started putting on weight and realized the whole fat and happy thing wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. um, so At what point in your teaching career was that? Like, what do you recall the year that, 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 oh, fat and happy is not working for me. Yep. That was about 10 years ago. Wow. Um, you were a decade in. Yep. Yep. And I was exhausted um, dragging myself to work and dragging myself home and trying to take out all the paperwork and get things done. And it was, it was getting harder to juggle. Um, and that's when I realized I had to do something for me. Mm -hmm. So that's when I found 25 minute workouts, um, and said, okay, I can't hit snooze 50 times in the morning. I have to actually set my alarm get up a half an hour earlier. And my husband actually said, I'll give you a week <laughs> because he knows I'm not a morning person. Um, but that's also what kept me going because I knew, okay, if he gives me a week, I have to keep going. And I did find an online group that helped because I knew they were there um, just expecting me to check in and say, yep, I did it. So I started with the fitness aspect um, nutrition, that was a little harder, but eventually I started making one change at a time, decided I had to eat breakfast, um, which for people that don't eat breakfast, that's really hard to do. And 
now I'm eating my eggs and spinach and a waffle or oatmeal and I'm like starving at five o'clock in the morning if I haven't eaten. Um, so my husband makes fun of me for that. <laughs> but so once I got the hang of breakfast, um, you know, I'd, I'd start with, okay, I need to actually bring a real lunch to school or I need to find some healthier snacks to bring to school. And it was amazing the change in my attitude and my energy level as I kept going. Um, and it made it easier at a later point to say, okay, now I'm actually going to follow this nutrition plan because it's not as far off as I was when I was first going into it. I'm curious, you know, I have worked at charter schools and or worked with teachers or administrators at charter schools for many years. And I don't know if you have context for that, but I mean, I think you had mentioned, and I wanna to get to this in a moment, you know, all the things that we as educators have to do outside of just teach. Um, I know for a lot of the teachers I know and educators, and I don't know that it is actually unique to charter schools, but our teachers eat with their students. They take their students to recess. Yes, they have a planning period, but some people's planning period is first thing in the morning. Uh, I would love to hear, just like in thinking about this nutritious piece, just any thoughts or insight you have for people who go, go, go all day and might not be able to make that time for a substantial chicken and broccoli and rice lunch that needs to be warmed up. Um, or, I mean, you, yeah, a lot of them will bring a lean cuisine and then they stack up and pile and, or they eat those or whatever. But like, what are some suggestions you have for those teachers who have minimal time in any given day to actually have a substantial piece of sustenance? I have even changed my eating schedule when necessary. I've eaten during my morning um, meetings, <laughs> eight o'clock in the morning, sitting in a staff meeting, and I've eaten a lunch then and had snacks later. Um, break it down to smaller, easier things to eat. I've eaten while teaching. Uh, don't really recommend that one, but it depends on what you're doing. You might be taking an hour and a half to eat your meal, but <laughs> yeah. but it shows the kids too that you're human and you do need to eat. Yes, yes. Um, and so let's come back to the nutrition side because I'm guessing you have a lot of insight and wisdom and other maybe even suggestions as to how teachers and educators can be thinking about the nutrition and health aspect. Um, I think another piece that just really resonated as I was reading through your questionnaire was this need for your own balance. And so, you know, you mentioned the, the unhappiness of ha having gained weight. And so there was this turning point um, for yourself. And then I was thinking about how you mentioned, you know, we're more than just teachers. We are, we have to listen to our students' problems. And then we have to help them figure out how to solve those problems with themselves, with their peers. Um, we have to do these things that are outside what I think a lot of people think is the, the general idea of teaching, which is we stand up in front of kids and help facilitate their learning. Um, and it almost seems counterintuitive when you're saying like, these are important aspects of education. And also we have to do a self-care because the balance of that really gets in the way, right? So it's like, how do we balance all of these other external needs of our students 
and wanting to show that our kids matter and those problems and helping them solve those problems matter in addition to lesson planning, in addition to teaching, in addition to being a mom, like what are your thoughts around that and how you have helped to find balance and what suggestions do you have for teachers who are really grappling with like, well, if you want me to do X, Y, Z and all of these other additional things for my students, then I'm not going to be able to take care of myself. That's been one of the biggest struggles I've had in the past 20 years. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest things that has helped me is to learn to say no. Mm -hmm. Um, That was really hard for me the first probably 10 years of my career and still is sometimes difficult, but we need to pay attention to how much time we actually have and how much we can actually fit in. And if you're asked to be on seven different committees and teach your classes and be there for the kids and do your own family things, you're going to run out of time and you're going to burn out. Yeah. And I would say that the how to say no or what to say no to is an important part of this. And I know that we all have different values. And so how we say no to certain things is going to be different for every person listening and or working through the struggle. What were some things that you learned how to say no to? Um, Committees. I've had to prioritize committee work. I've had to prioritize any after school activities um, or before school and just make sure that I still have time at home where I'm not doing schoolwork. I know it's easy to, there's always something you can pull out and plan or grade, always people to email. Um, So you just have to kind of set those boundaries and say, all right, now I'm putting this all away and it's time for my husband or it's time for my kids or it's time to go do a workout and just have time for myself and be able to just release all of the stress. Yeah. So walk me through then, knowing that you've really advocated for this balance of yourself and just these boundaries, walk me through a typical day or even a work week that could help others envision what this could look like um, in terms of somebody who has been doing this for a while and prioritizing their their health um, first and foremost? Well, I don't know that there's a perfect schedule, Um, (laughs) but my own, I get up, I know people laugh at me, but I get up at 4.30 in the morning now. And uh, for someone who absolutely despises mornings and you should not talk to me in the morning. That is very difficult. Um, But I've been doing it for a long time now. Make my breakfast and I actually have some time at that point to just sit in the quiet and do nothing for a little while. Uh, Before I go up, do my workout and jump in the shower, get my food ready and get ready for the day. Um, At that point, I'm out the door at school, I try to get there early enough so that I can kind of get organized without being stressed, get through the school day. I try not to stay too late. Um, Mm -hmm. So usually um, I'm home at a reasonable time, but 
do bring my work home and usually try to set a limit after dinner. Okay. Maybe an hour on schoolwork, but after that I'm done Mm -hmm. and I have to come to terms with what I don't get done. It's okay. It'll still be there tomorrow. Yeah. What did you do when your kids were younger and you were doing all this? Like, what did it look like then? Because I, I know as a mom of two young boys, you know, my husband and I are both in the schools. It's, it's a struggle. And we went, you know, all the time when we didn't have the kids. And now, I mean, it's easier for us to set the boundaries, um, which I'm so glad that happened. Like, are we, I think the boundaries and priorities have shifted. Um, what did you do to really support that? And I feel like there's a couple of things that people who don't have kids could probably adopt to really help that for themselves in terms of the boundaries. But yeah, talk to us about what you did when you were, when your boys were younger. Well, most of the time that they were younger, it was pure chaos and I was doing absolutely nothing for my fitness and nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was definitely a learning experience. Um, As when I first started out, they were a little bit older, but they still had all of their activities. And before I found what worked for me, I did try going to the gym um, while they were at their activities. So I dropped them off at karate, go to the gym, go back and pick them up. That didn't work very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried doing home workouts, but then there would be a band concert or we were going to have to have dinner or I just ate dinner and didn't want to work out because we just mm-hmm. ate or whatever happens, there's always an excuse and always something in the way. And so that was why I decided I had to make time in the morning and had to get up earlier. So I know um, most people have told me when they have young children, that tends to be their time. They have to get up earlier before the kids and that has to be their time. Um, Now my kids are older, so it really doesn't matter, but I still know I can make just as many excuses, even though they are older and I'm not doing activities for them Mm -hmm. Um, in the afternoon, I can come home from work and just say, I'm too tired. So the morning is still my time. Even though you're still not a morning person, it sounds even though I am still not a morning person. (laughs) That's great. And so I think what I'm hearing you say is there, if you're going to prioritize your health, um, you're going to have to then prioritize a, a window of time that can provide consistency for you. Yes. Yeah. If it can be a consistent schedule, then it will work better. Mm -hmm. If you have to fit it in somewhere, you're less likely to fit it in. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned too, the accountability piece. Do you still have um, people who are holding you accountable or has this become such a habit and routine or routine and habit that now it's just like, this is just what you do and who you are? Uh, Both. Say more. Yeah. (laughs) So I hold accountability groups now of my own every month. And because there are people that I'm trying to hold accountable, they're actually also holding me accountable. So I know I have to get everything in and do what I need to do for them. Mm-hmm. Say more then about these accountability groups, um, just especially for anyone who's listening, who's looking for the accountability. It sounds like that's as something you offer. What What is encompassed in that? So it's an online group. Um, 
and it is through Beachbody, but not everybody who has been in the groups does actual Beachbody programs. Um, and it's basically just a place to check in, say, yes, I worked out today. That can be anywhere from what I did when I started because I was afraid of sharing anything with anybody. So I would mm -hmm. just check in with a, did my workout and was done. Mm -hmm. um, or you can share, you know, I tried doing the ab workout today and I watched most of the video because I had no idea what they were doing <laughs> and wanted to throw something at the TV today. Um, people share pictures, people share videos, people share stories or just check in. It's all based on comfort level. Mm -hmm. um, it's also a place where we can check in for nutrition, get tips, share struggles, um, and just be there for one another when we really don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah that's incredible. So it's like a both and at this point, you know, even though you are in the habit, there's still this element of accountability that I think sounds so important. Uh, before I we dig into maybe more concrete strategies or just any other recommendations that you have for educators based on some of the work that you do, I do want to talk a little about you being a Reiki master, kind of how you got onto that journey or that that became part of your story and how do you use it, especially perhaps as an educator, because you're doing a lot like, you know, I know educators have multiple jobs often a lot of this sounds like passion for you beyond that of I'm just trying to supplement my income. I don't know. But yeah, talk to us about being a Reiki master. How did you come to that? How do you use that? So that came about when um, someone in the town I teach in is a Reiki master and they actually came during teacher appreciation week and gave all of the teachers a 15 minute Reiki session. Mm. And I had no idea what it was. And so she came in and explained that it was energy work and um, we could release any tensions and whatnot. And after that session, I became very interested and I started seeing her a little more regularly. Mm -hmm. And that's when I um, decided to take classes from her and it went from there. It definitely... Um, Oh, how to explain it. <laughs> this is where I'm stuck. Yeah. Did you, when you first had that first session, did you feel energy blocks like easing or like, yeah, what was that experience? And then, yeah, again, how do you, how do you utilize it now as a master, maybe in support of people? So during that first session, it was, it was an interesting experience. Um, there were different colors, different animals, different strange things that I saw during it um, mm -hmm. that she was able to help me explain. We ended up looking at spirit guides. We looked at so many different things that as a very concrete person, <laughs> Um, it made me question things and wonder what the heck am I, you know, looking at and am I nuts and is this woman nuts and what are we doing? Um, but it was very interesting. And so I had to delve deeper into it and check it out. 
And that's when, when I started doing Reiki myself and started seeing different things and um, was able to ask people about experiences when I had no idea what was going on in their lives, but things actually made sense to them. It made me wonder, okay, maybe this really is something. Um, and so I still doubt myself and my capabilities with the Reiki. Um, so I don't, I just, I practice, but I don't actually do that professionally. Um, so that's still more of a practice, but I use it more on myself mm -hmm. and we'll do self Reiki to try to clear any blockages. And, um, I still research more about auras and different chakras and how that connects to everything. Yeah. I, I think you're speaking to my heart and mind, Christine, because I have become more introduced just I guess in the last five years to mindfulness and to really the, the self-care and the Kundalini yoga and the Reiki. And I remember my first Reiki experience, I just cried and I cried and I cried and she's like, oh, it's working. I'm like, what? I mean, cause it's just like, we didn't even have words. It was purely the music and then the, the oils and placement of, of hands and energy. And it just like was so cleansing and I can't help but wonder early on in my education career, before I got sick, before I felt like I needed to leave the classroom, had I had something, you know, and again, I wasn't, I wasn't tending to my body in terms of nutrition, um, especially the year that I left. I, I was working out. I've always been an avid worker outer, but I didn't, wasn't practicing the true spiritual um, aura, you know, energy work that I think could have really helped cleanse a lot of what I was dealing with, because honestly, though my element in that seventh year of teaching was purely, I mean, it wasn't psychosomatic in the sense that it was in my mind, like I was very, very much physically ill. However, as soon as I left teaching, I got better. And I just wonder, and that's why because it was when you were talking about being a Reiki master, I was like, this is amazing because like, had I probably incorporated some of that into my life? And I wonder, could I have sustained longer? Could I still be a teacher? You know, and I'm back and I, I teach almost daily, especially due to the pandemic right now. And, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. And I come to work excited and I'm not getting sick, knock on wood, you know, I'm doing all these wonderful things. And I think part of it is because I have this in my practice and know that I have this to call on. And so I share that part of my story because it definitely speaks to me and makes me wonder. And my hope in this podcast is that a lot of teachers and the people and educators and the people we bring on can help guide paths for people, especially if they're in that state that I might have been. Um, and so I'm just glad that you are sharing kind of what that experience was and why you do it for yourself. Is there anything you'd want to add about the, the Reiki piece before I pivot us a little bit? Well, I feel like um, no matter what profession you're in, you're going to have stress in your life um, and that can lead to illness. And it's more about, it's not about getting rid of the stress, it's how you deal with the stress. And so an outlet like Reiki or exercise or just being able to sit and meditate or sit out in nature, however you deal with it, um, 
but it has to be dealt with. I love that. Um, it's not about getting rid of the stress. It's about how you deal with it. I really love that. And so kind of just pivoting back and kind of where we'll land is just on your own, you know, professional and or personal journey in the, the, the nutrition and health space. And my guess, even though it hasn't been outwardly or explicitly stated, a lot of the desire to move into this realm was due to stress. Um, and so, yeah, this might've been your outlet and this might not be other people's outlets, but what, what strategies, what advice do you have for educators who are listening to this podcast um, in terms of like, yeah, we're dealing with it. How do we deal with it in the realm of nutrition and health? I think that's going to be different for every individual, um, but you do need to find something that fits into your own lifestyle, whether it's you have little kids that you're juggling around or you're uh, older like I am and uh, you know you have different stressors in your life, you have to find what works for you. So whether that be going to the gym or working out at home or finding someone to run with, um, you need to find something that gets you moving and you need to pay attention to what you're fueling your body with in order to get the most out of every day and actually feel well. I mean, I think what you said there, finding something that fits your lifestyle, finds what works for you is, is powerful. And I think so often, especially new teachers, and knew the education realm are like, there is no time. And, you know, I think when you prioritize it, you make time for it. And, and if that is how we sustain in this work, because we're making time, we're not putting more on our plate, but we're making time for something that is going to actually make us better. And that's how I'm interpreting what you're saying, but we have to. And then the other piece of like, we have to find something that gets us moving, you know, sitting in front of the TV and grading papers, just because it's another thing that we have to do. There's other things that we could be doing. You didn't just say that, but I'm just thinking about that for my own mind of we've got to get up and get moving and we've got to be putting smart things into our bodies that are actually going to fuel us. Um, that's what I'm hearing. And I just feel like it's so important because those are not things that I was doing early on in my career. These are things that I try to do. Uh, as much as I humanly possibly can. And as somebody who takes care of teachers in the sense of like, they are my people. And if, what is our school without them? I need to hear these things as a reminder. Part of me wants to go and make, you know, eggs and spinach and sous vide bites for them. So they have breakfast. And so like, I can help them with their baby steps. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? <laughs> that would work. Yeah, one step at a time. Um, and nothing wrong with chocolate now and then. Too. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> we, I'm going to just show you this. I know that people listening can't see it, but this is what I keep in my drawer. You know, I'm this, this whole, I, what we're looking at right now is a special dark. I don't know. Oh, it's a giant size, but I've had it for a week in here. So, you know, I'm not overindulging, but it's always in there. And everybody knows that. <laughs> Well, Christine, again, thank you so much for your wisdom and insight. I'd love to know just and or let the listeners know where can they find you? And if they're needing anything, what do you provide and how can they find you? Yeah. I can be found on Instagram. Um, my name on Instagram, I'm Christine Johnson 
C to TC, it's C, the number two, TC. Um, and I am on Facebook, um, I believe also under Christine Johnson. And uh, my email is momnteach at hotmail.com if anyone had any questions. Oh, thank you for doing that. And thank you, Christine, for joining us. This has been such a pleasure to have you on and just hear all that you are doing again for students, for teachers, and for yourself. Like that's the inspiring piece. And you are a tried and true example of what educators can do to sustain in this work. So thank you so much. Thank you. Seriously, Christine is here to help and we get to talk to teachers who have been in the classroom for 20 years and have done a phenomenal job at their teaching job as well as making their life work. These are people we need to be paying attention to. Here are the takeaways from today's episode. One, find people to hold you accountable to your health. Two, there is not a perfect schedule. Make it work for you, but know that being healthier will help you in fact sustain in this work. Three, and whatever schedule you make, make it consistent. Four, learn to say no. This is not the first time you've heard this in the takeaways and it probably won't be the last. Number five, it's not about getting rid of the stress. The stress will always be there. It is about how you deal with it. Find something that fits into your lifestyle and make it work for you. And number six, get moving and pay attention to what you are using to fuel your body. Don't forget to sign up for our Teacher Renewed community on Facebook and follow me on Instagram at teacher underscore renewed and be a part of a community that is working collectively to support educators to make education better. See you in the next episode.